the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's a call-in show, 800-345-5639. That's 800-345-5639. It's Talk 910 KNEW, and it's the Rob Black Show. My background is as a financial advisor. My background is as an analyst and basically guy who babysits the stock market for you. Through the 15 years of doing this, I've stretched my legs a bit, getting into a little bit more personal finance. Not because I want to, but because so much of the personal finance information out there is just god-awful bad. Get your calls on the show. It's 800-345-5639. First hour of the show, I strongly lean towards the stock market and the economy and a little politics here and there. Now, not politics as is the norm in talk radio. I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I'm worried that our government spends too much of our taxpayers' money, which... It may not feel real to you because it's already gone before you know it. If you had to write a check to the government, you would be freaked out by government spending. I look at it as I write a check to the government, and uh, I hate what I see. I hate what I see. Anyway, um, let's get to the stock market before I totally train wreck the show by going left versus going where I'm good at. Not stoked by stimulus rumor. Market was looking kind of weak to start the day, but that changed. Much to the chagrin of the bears, the stock market did an about-face yesterday, quickly recovering from a sizable opening losses to post modest gains on another day in which the volume failed to top 1 billion shares. So everything we're seeing right now is on very low volume. Very low volume means very low conviction in the world of money. This, you know, you put your money where your mouth is. It's that kind of simple. Right now, people are wrapping up vacation. A friend of mine on Facebook posted a photo that said, um, end of summer. End of summer. And uh, it was just, you know, some photos of them at the beach kind of thing. And it's true. It's starting to head towards the end of summer, especially on the East Coast. Keep in mind, on the West Coast, we kind of get this pretty good weather all year round. On the East Coast, well, dog days of summer have hit. And in about a month from now, it's going to crack. So they go from 90-degree days to 60-degree days. Three months after that, they go to 40-degree days. Interesting the way the, the heat finally cracks. I love the way seasons work on the East Coast. Fall kind of cracks the summer heat. The, the the normalcy and despondency of fall turns into a deep freeze winter. Then out of the deep freeze winter, you get that spring of life. But again, I'm digressing. So the market rallied yesterday on very low volume. There's something happening in here with China. And I'm going to show you the connection between what's happening overseas, where we panic in the morning. There's a connection. And I don't like what I'm seeing because it's on that we're fighting back on low volume. So the sudden reversal didn't have a big news catalyst yesterday, although there's rumors of a second stimulus plan already in the works. Good God. <laughs> Our debt is rising as a nation at 1%. 
every month now, and we're going to do another stimulus plan. The first stimulus plan was just a joke. First stimulus plan was Congress basically going, ooh, recession. And then they started drooling all over each other to see how much money they can get for their little you know, cut of the pie so they can get reelected. It wasn't stimulus for the health of the economy. It was stimulus for the health of them getting reelected and looking like they were doing you some good. So I'm not quite sure why anyone would cheer a second injection of a stimulus. It's simply going to add to the budget deficit, which is, frankly a clear indication that the green shoots of economic recovery there aren't as green as the market likes us to think they are. Now, you want the economy at this point to be moving forward on its own volition, i.e., we stimulated it, we shocked it. You want the heartbeat to come back, not one that's moving forward by enabling further government spending. The longer the enabling goes on, the more addicted the country is going to be to government spending, the less the private sector will carry the load in the future, making it all the more difficult to get the needed rehab and get out of rehab down the road. The troubled labor market will most likely necessitate an additional stimulus of some sort, though, since more and more people, they're losing their unemployment benefits in coming months. This is going to create politically unacceptable situations that will drive a defensible push to an extension of unemployment benefits. So don't worry, people. If you're on, un- un- extend- if you're on um, continuing claims and they drop off, we're going to extend them. I'm, I'm promising you that that's going to happen. The latest initial claims this morning really tipped in the direction of uh-oh. Initial claims rose another 15,000, back up to 576,000. People thought we were going to drop 15,000. So initial claims are people who walk down to their Social Security. They walk down to their government offices and say, hey, I've lost my jobs. So I need to file for unemployment. That's not good. Now, there was some good news. Continuing claims for the week ended, rose 2,000 to 6.24 million. Now, continuing claims for the prior week were revised higher. Latest data brings the four-week moving average for claims up to 570,000. Any number over 400,000 of people who file for initial unemployment, very, 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 very bad. Now, there's some awful initial claims. If you look at this data, it's awful numbers. When you stop to consider that they're still well north of that 400,000 to 450,000 peak range, which is you're comfortable with. When you factor in continuing claims, we're expected to slowly run down as unemployment benefits lapsed and do not due to any new hires. The report shows the labor market's more troubled than previously thought. Now, again, the continuing claims, people are running out of benefits. Their time to get a job is over. The free money's gone. That's why we're going to have to extend this. And when we do, these numbers are going to look pretty horrific. So this morning, we started weak with these initial claims numbers. Then... We ultimately get some good news out of the Philly Fed manufacturing, and that was enough to get the market sparked back into life, so to speak. You know, it's, it's not wonderful. Retailers have lagged the market for the session for today. Sears holding is now 7 bucks, sitting at $66. Buckle, I'm not really sure what Buckle does, but it sounds like a woman's clothing store. They're down about a buck today. And Limited, down about a third. Uh, they posted better than expected results, but still down. Retail's not good. Probably tied towards those job numbers. So, um, so the Philly Fed action. Let's talk a little bit about this. Manufacturers in the Philadelphia region, they're saying that businesses was improving in the month of August. That's the first increase in nearly a year and the highest reading since November of 2007. We're getting some signs of life. That's going to be grabbed onto by the media. The recession's over. You're going to hear more and more in the next week, two weeks, month, two months, that the recession is finally over. Okay. But the question is, 
Are we going to double dip a recession? Are we going to have a jobless recovery? Or do we go back to happy days? Will we play the happy days are here again song? I don't think so. For the fourth consecutive month, leading indicators, they also posted growth. There's a group called the Conference Board. I used to be friends with one of the members of the Conference Board, and he was just a weird economist, just a weird dude. He wore a a stopwatch around because he knew that he would talk too much. So when he'd start a conversation, he'd start his stopwatch and he'd look at it every now and then because he knew he tended to ramble on. Very weird dude. Um, But that's neither here nor there. So the conference board today sent out every month. They show us indicators, three indicators posted negative contributions, but seven were up. Now the three that were down were building permits, money supply and consumer expectations. Building permits being down is actually a good thing for the housing prices. Building permits being down is a bad thing for general contractors and electricians and people who who swing a hammer for a living. So keep in mind, there's no, sometimes the right answer, it's just not obvious. So it's it's just not obvious. Um, end in sight for the clunkers. That's right. Looks like the Obama administration said it's going to wind down its popular cash for clunkers incentive program on auto sales and it may do so as early as September Transportation Secretary Ray LaHood sought to reassure auto dealers that they would be reimbursed for discounts given to customers under the program, though. With weeks-long delays in processing reimbursements, many dealers have feared the program's $3 billion of funding would run out before they received the money that's owed to them. So the government's writing checks. They're getting the, the claims, and it's taken a month, two months to process, so people are a little freaked out. But ultimately, it looks like September time frame... That stimulus is going to be gone, but there's good news. There's good news because we got another government incentive coming right around the corner. More government spending. Looks like appliance manufacturers are counting on cash for clunkers for them. A type of rebate that would revive the slumping sales of refrigerators and washing machines and dishwashers. Beginning late this fall, federal rebates will be available for purchases of high-efficiency household appliances, furnaces, and air conditioning systems. You know who this is going to help? Home Depot. It's going to help Best Buy. Particularly, it's going to be a bullet shot into Whirlpool, ticker symbol WHR. Congress has already authorized a $300 million for the program earlier this year. No one's talking about it yet. See, I'm ahead of the curve, slightly ahead of the curve. Congress has already authorized the money, and I bet it gets extended just like the Crash for Clunkers does, too. Recent surge in new car orders attributed to the federally funded Clunkers program. Appliance industry executives, they're hoping to lure customers back in a very similar type of thing. It looks like it's going to be $200 off any appliance, as long as it's energy efficient. Now, honestly, I think this makes a lot more sense than Cash for Clunkers, because that would also create more energy efficiency. Old refrigerators are just drains on electricity. I think it's a good way for the consumer to get back to the marketplace, and we're going to start hearing about this very, very soon. Probably this fall. We're not quite there yet. Still dog days of August. And interesting to note, the federal government, with all the spending and trying to revive our economy, federal budget came out today. Basically, every month, the White House shows us where we are. And it looks like our federal deficit stands at $1.58 trillion. Now, it's a little bit better than expected because a couple months ago, when the poo was hitting the fan, so to speak, Congress panicked and said, you know what, we, we need $260 billion extra dollars laying around. So we, they just wanted around just in case. Now, we've decided, well, okay, the economy is improving a little bit. We don't need that money anymore. So we basically have struck that from our potential budget. 
So it's not really good news. It's not really bad news. It's just we're not going to use the money because it worst case didn't hit. Our $1.58 trillion deficit this year, it's going to be three times larger than our deficit last year. So you may like the president. You may think he's a popular dude, but he is spending money on credit cards that we are going to have to pay for at some point in time. Now, again, as you know, the further in debt you go, the tougher it is to get out of debt. The further in debt you go on the interest, it just kills you. It just kills you. So it will become problematic, probably not in my lifetime. In my kid's lifetime, in my kid's kid's lifetime. It's a scary thought. Little Rob Black kids. So little money-carrying children (laughs) who use debit cards instead of credit cards. Uh, Carrying around their lunchbox and wads of cash. Anyway, um, gold down today, basically improving economy means we're not going to heck in a handbasket. So gold is giving back a little bit today. Natural gas, which has probably been the worst pick that I've had all year long. At one point in time, I looked at natural gas. I said, I think natural gas is going to work because we're going into hurricane season. And it was oil was low and gas was low. And then we didn't get any freaking hurricanes. It's been a good year for hurricanes, or it's been a good year for no hurricanes. It's been a bad year for hurricanes. So, in fact, Hurricane Bill just became a Category 3 storm. It's not even going to hit land. It's just going to go north in the sea. I'm bitter. I'm bitter. So, um, yeah, I I thought gas was going to be a play this summer, and nope, never happened. Now, fortunately for me, I never pulled the trigger on the trade. But I looked at it, and I wanted it, and I said it out loud, and I, I regret that. Airline stocks are higher today. Oil is low. Well, oil popped up, and then it came back a little bit. So if you are in the camp that you think oil goes to $40 a barrel for whatever reason, then you have to look at what's called the airline index. That's XAL. You have to look at American and Continental. You have to look at um, United and Delta. You have to look at Southwest. Now, I'm not telling you to be in airlines. Warren Buffett, best investor of all time. He doesn't own airlines. Doesn't like the business of airlines. But I guess I threw that out there because some people demand, insist, want to know more knowledge. And as oil gets weaker, airlines get stronger. And as oil gets stronger, airlines get weaker. And my personal opinion is that the airline industry is just broken. Uh, When I go on a flight, I check five to ten websites. And ultimately, the first site that I check, 500 bucks. And by the time it's all said and done, I'm down to 230 bucks. So the airline industry is broken because there's too much information out there. They no longer control. And they're kind of addicted to the cash flow because they've got debt. They don't necessarily need to make money, but they need to service their debt. It's a weird concept, but it's a true concept. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I'm coming strong out of the gate today. I'd like to hear your calls at Talk 910 K, uh, on Talk 910KNEW. The phone number is 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black's show. You can listen online at 910KNEW.com, 910KNEW.com. I'm Rob Black.
Rob Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. It's being reflected in the ratings, which is nice. I appreciate that. Radio and Arbitron get all freaked out in people meters when you talk about ratings. So I can't say anything other than that, but it's nice. And again, I, I thank you a big old what I refer to as a pant load for helping me out, so to speak. Um, I'm going to be tonight at the Los Gatos uh, area. I'm going to stop by the Toll House Hotel. I'm going to do a, a seminar on retirement planning and wealth preservation. It's a pretty good event. Um, it's predominantly run by Chad Burton. He's a financial planner, and he manages wealthy people. That's what he does for a living. So the event is geared towards him. Now, about four to six times a year, I do what I call Money 101, all things financial, where it's really geared for younger people. It's geared for people who are accumulating wealth. I think there's two types of people. There's people who accumulate wealth. There's people who manage wealth. Um, so that's what you got. So if you want to make it out, you can find out more information at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Let's go to phone calls, 800-345-5639. Let's go to Dina in Oakland. Dina? Yes, hello, Rob. I have a question for you regarding emerging markets ETFs. Okay, which one? Uh, let's see. There are a couple by iShares and a couple of Spiders. If you want, I can give you the ticker symbols. Um, I'm going to only be able to really hit one or two of them, so let's start with one. Okay. Uh, let's see. How about FXI iShares China Fund? Okay. Now, first and, for, uh, first and foremost, let's tell everyone what an ETF is. Exchange-traded fund, it's an investment vehicle. Um, it's like a stock. It's kind of like a mutual fund. It's kind of a combination of the two. It's a mutual fund that trades like a stock. Most mutual funds don't trade like stocks. Stock you can buy any time of the day from you know the time the market opens to the market closes. Mutual fund typically you have to buy before the market opens, and you have to buy or sell before it opens or buy or sell after it closes. So it doesn't allow people to cheat, so to speak. Now, an ETF does. So there's sometimes some efficiencies gained by having an ETF. Tax efficiencies, for sure. But on top of it, if, a, let's say, um, let's say a, a monsoon hits India, no one wants to own shares of any company in India. So all the iShares or the ETFs exposed to India are sold, 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 sold. You could actually buy those shares at a discount. So you can buy them at 10, 20, 30, 40% off. So you're actually getting a discount. A lot of people, Dina, like ETFs because you can buy stocks at a discount if you need that inside of your portfolio. Now, when everything gets wild and hot and sexy and everyone has to own the internet ETF, well, then you have to pay a premium to get into it, and that makes no sense at all. So sometimes you do have to pay a premium. Uh, like, for instance, if I wanted to own a Chinese fund, I may have to, a mutual fund, I would have to pay that manager to do the research for me. I think Matthews has got a great, great China fund, Matthews Fund China. Um, the downside is, is I don't know much about China. I know that they speak Chinese and I know Chinese food, and I know I don't know how many states or con, con, counties, or I don't. There's too much that I don't know, so I hire someone to know more about it for me. So that sometimes plays into it. Now, okay, let's talk specifically about the one you're asking, the iShares China Fund. Now, this is 25 names. Last year it was well. This year it's up 45 percent. Last year it was down 47 percent. The year before it was up 54 percent. The year before it was up 82 percent. Up 13 percent. 
Can you handle that volatility first and foremost, Dina? Yes, I can, uh, but I don't want to overdo it. So at this point, I'm thinking a small portion of my, very small portion of my portfolio just for diversification. Okay. I have so much developed markets, I don't have enough in emerging. I don't have anything in emerging markets at the moment. Okay, and I think you should. Um, I think everyone should. Um, clearly, the middle class in the United States is tired, and we basically got you know um, all caught up in our credit, and that's kind of hell to pay. Whereas now they're starting to live the good life that we've been living for the last thirty years in Asia. Um, this is a good ETF. China Mobile, China Life Insurance is in it. Bank of China, Petro China, Sinook, China Merchants Bank, China Xinhu Energy, China Unicom. There's not a lot of um, like internet companies. Uh, now the internet companies super super sexy, but with that super super painful. This fund is trading at a premium of about one point three percent. I got no problem with it, Dina. Um, I think it can be added for a long term patient investor. But again, it's a roller coaster. So if you're down 50% in it one year, what you have to know is that I want to buy more. And if you're up 50% in it one year and suddenly your asset allocation went from 2% of your portfolio to, to 3%, you got to let some of it go. Um, and you got to look at where in your portfolio do you need that extra uh, you know, percentage gain that you just got, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Now, what other ETF are you looking at? Uh, there were also some under the spiders. Uh, like, for example, there was a China ETF called a ticker symbol GXC. And I'm, I'm not really sure iShares versus spiders. Is there something, uh, you know, it seems like the spiders, pretty, excuse, the iShares have been around longer. Yeah, they're, you know? they're pretty similar products. And everyone's rushing to get exposure into exchange-traded funds uh, because they're the fastest growing asset in on Wall Street. Now, the GXC is called the S&P China ETF. That's not a very good name, is it? <laughs> um, it could have been a little bit sexier if it wanted to. Let's take a look at their performance. Up 50% this year, last year down 48%. It's a little bit of a newer product. Um, and again, it holds a lot of the same names, almost the same exact names. China Mobile, China Life Insurance, China Construction, Petro China, Sinook, China Petroleum, China Xinhu, Ping Ang Insurance, and Bank of China. It looks to be a little bit 31% financials, 18% energy, 15% telecom. The other one was a little bit more financials, a little bit... Okay, so the first one, a little bit more geared towards financials. So I would say the second one that you gave me, uh, FXI not as diversified as GXC. Okay. So whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your call, Dina. Sure, thank you. 800-345-5639. Let's get another quickie in. Sam in San Jose. Hey, Rob. Great show. Um, I, I'm 29, and I have like 65K in... Uh, IRAs and 401k and 23k in brokerage and I have like 50k that I've saved over the last five years to put a down payment for my house but I still feel like I want to hit the 20% mark and the down payment and I don't know how people are buying houses like I just seems like I'm saving 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 and everybody around me still is buying houses without like having enough down payment and I feel uh, like there's something wrong no, it's, there's nothing wrong with you. There's some investors that are snapping up houses at this point in time. That they just got access to a little bit more cash than you. Um, but yeah, I would try to get 10 to 20% down payment minimum. Um, just so we can go back to let's not get ourselves in trouble kind of way of living. So 50K, you know, it's 10% of a 500K. Uh, it's 20% of a 250K home. 
you're not going to want to be in a 250K home because you're going to be so far away from jobs. So, yeah, I'd continue to save the little nut if you can. I'd contact a lender and see what you qualify for because, you know, some lenders might be able to say, you know, I can get you at 7% rate with 10% down. I can get you at a 6% rate with 20% down. So I'd shop it around. But at age 29, I don't even know if you need to own a home yet, Sam. Um, is this going to be the place that you die? Is this going to be the place that you work for the rest of your life? Are you in a job that you feel comfortable with till 60? Uh, I mean, I'm an engineer and I think I will end up in Silicon Valley for the rest of my life. Okay, good. So then, you know, you're more of a candidate to buy a home and die here. And, um, that's good. A lot of people in the Bay area are very transient and we kind of come for five years of work. Then we go to a bigger market or a smaller market or, somewhere else. But if you're, if this is going to be your home and you're going to live on the peninsula, you know, I'd start looking at some places. Um, prices have come down pretty aggressively. Um, so I, I don't know what else to say to you. Well, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I have one follow-up. So if I add up all my cash yep. in my emergency fund and my brokerage and my IRAs, I have like above 150K. Uh, should I be talking to a CFP? I just don't know if I'm like diversified enough. I, mean, I think I am, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't think you really need a CFP until you're you're only 29. Um, yep. Until you're around 40-ish and a quarter of a million plus dollars of investable assets, a CFP early on can get you into some trouble because the people that are willing to work with people early on tend to push product like annuities. You don't want an annuity. You want nothing to do with an annuity. So the people who are willing to come down to your level, not really the type of CFPs that you want to work with. What I would do is I'd get a book. It's called the, uh, the the New Rules About Money by Rick Edelman. It's 88 chapters. The chapters are three pages long. You just want to make sure, for instance, Sam, do you have disability insurance? Uh, yeah, I get some from work. Okay. You, you want to make sure you have the right amount of disability insurance and you want to know the terms of it because if you get hit by a car tonight and you're disabled, well, you're not going to be an engineer. And suddenly the next 30 years where you were counting on this big cash flow coming in, gone. So that's the most important thing to you. Are you a married man? Uh, not yet. Okay. Um, so when you get married, you're going to want to get some term life on you because you're going to probably be the breadwinner in the family. If you marry an engineer, maybe you both need some term life if you go out and get a big, super expensive house. Um, I th- it sounds to me like you're doing great. So okay. I give you a thumbs up. So you've got you know a lot of money saved for age 30. Uh, you're doing good. So most of us need to have between ten dollars and $40,000 saved by age 30. Otherwise, we're behind. So just keep that in mind. So that number gets bigger and harder to achieve later in life. Of Otherwise, we're behind saving for our nest egg. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. This is Rob Black on Talk 910 KNEW. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. 
Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talk 910 KNEW. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. You can listen online at 910knew.com. First another show I tried to dedicate to money and investments and, and stock market and a little on politics and what we're spending and not spending. Second hour, I start to you know stretch my legs a little bit. We'll have Chad Burton on in a little bit. He's setting up right here, right now in studio. We're going to be tonight in the Los Gatos Toll House Hotel. It's a hotel that's made out of cookies. So if you don't have dinner, just chew on a wall. Anyway, um, it's going to be all about retirement planning and wealth preservation. You can f- sign up at robblack.com, robblack.com. Now, I noticed this morning mortgage rates are declining again. Mortgage rates are amazing. And our last caller asked if he should buy a home now or if he should continue to save money to get... Uh, you know, meet the standards of 20% down. It's crazy how cheap mortgages are right now. I got a mortgage, 30-year mortgage for 4.8%. Five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, if you'd asked me, will you ever get a mortgage at 4.8%, I would have said, no way. Yeah, I think mortgages will stay between the 6 to 8% range, 6 for great people, 8 for not so great people. This is an amazing time to get a mortgage. It's amazing if you could afford the payment. Now, when I decided to buy a house, I didn't care if the home goes up or down in value. All I care about is can I make the payment for the next 30 years? That's my goal. Now, there's a renewed bout of economic uncertainty, and it brings mortgage rates to their lowest level, ultimately since May. Now, why is this? Skepticism about the sustainability of an economic rebound with the American consumer ailing. It's led investors to pull money out of stocks and park it in government bonds. Government bonds closely mirror mortgage rates. They kind of have uh, long-term uh, government bonds. They kind of have an effect on each other. So, and it's tied towards inflation, and it's tied towards outlook on the economy. Those are the issues that drive thirty-year mortgage rates. So, um, rates are are cheap again, five point one two percent on the thirty-year fixed. But on the other hand, mortgage delinquencies hit another record. We are number one, no new record. Oh, this isn't a good one to have. Mortgage either in foreclosure, at least one payment behind, hit 13.1% in the second quarter of this year. It's the highest percentage ever recorded by the Mortgage Bankers Association. Delinquency rate on mortgages on one to four unit properties rose to a seasonally adjusted 9.2% of all mortgage loans outstanding. Mortgages somewhere in the foreclosure process, 4.3% right now. Uh, In the second quarter, that's up from 3.8% in the first quarter. There's going to be more inventory. There's going to be more homes for sale. Banks are holding on to them at this point in time. They're kind of keeping their fingers crossed, hoping for higher prices. Not going to happen. Too much inventory, and it keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming. 4.3% of mortgages are in foreclosure. That's a stunning number. Chad, what do you say to that? Try that again. There we go. Um, You know, I, it's going to get worse, I think. Okay. I okay. mean, the, go back the, to prepping. It? Go back to prepping. I'm not ready for you yet. So. <laughs> I wasn't ready for you either. Well, you don't just run in here and say I want to be on radio. So you play by my rules. So um, AIG shares rally 30 percent today on the CEO comments. Listen to this insurance giant American International Group. Now we all know them as that company that had a lot of collateralized debt and structured investment vehicles, and they're an insurance company. And what were they doing in this business? And they collapsed right after the Bear Stearns fiasco. And the United States government basically bailed them out. To me, AIG is kind of a bad bank. They've got so many bad assets, toxic assets, that it's trouble. It's problematic. So AIG CEO comes out today and says, um, 
We're not going to sell business units unless AIG gets fair value for them. Now, keep in mind, the United States government owns 80-plus percent of the company. AIG shares, in my opinion, will eventually go to zero. But today, they're up 30% because the CEO said, we will not be strong-armed in selling you know, below market value. Chad, when you know a company is going to go to zero like an AIG, and you see it go up 30% in one day, do you go, man, I wish I had me some of that? Well, I think the people that are investing in it are traders, and so I think what you do is take your profits. Okay. Um, Go back to prepping. Thank you. (laughs) 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. See, I'm using them sparingly today. I'm not letting them ramble on and, you know, ruin my show with his uh, financial planning blabbing. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Citigroup. This is what's called the law of unintended consequences. President Obama passes a credit card reform bill. Congress passes it. President signs it. It's one of the very first things that he got through. They're not allowed to jack up our prices without giving us 45 days notice instead of the old 30 days notice. You know, it changed a little bit. Now, here's the kicker, the unintended consequences. We helped reform the industry, and the industry basically sends out their middle finger and says, screw you. Citigroup today is instituting annual fees on some credit, current credit card accounts in an attempt to offset strict new re- legislation that could dent its profits. The move comes on the heels of several warnings from the banking industry, which has said that issuers would be forced to rewrite the playbook on plastic because new credit card laws would take a bite out of their income. For instance, they're not allowed to you know, play with you if you're in a uh, fixed rate. So what they're doing is they're now saying, well, they kind of left a little bit of a loophole in adjustable rates. So now they're, they're forcing fixed rates to go adjustable. Banks aren't stupid. Citigroup's attempt to charge annual fees, it's going to be the first time a large card lender has used such fees in response to legislation. It's going to be watched closely by their competitors. Card lenders are seeking new ways of not only to offset the effect of the legislation, but also to cope with growing losses from the souring credit card loans that they've already made that are out there. Credit card issuers have been raising interest rates and fees, tweaking reward programs. They've been reducing credit lines and closing accounts. A lot of people who have good credit, a lot of people who have good credit, um... They're finding out it's not really fair. The rules are changing on them, and they're upset, but it's not because of you. People take credit cards uh, changing the rules personally, and you shouldn't. I've had great credit my whole life. I've got a credit card. I don't use it. If Citigroup were to call me up and say, we're going to charge an annual fee, I'd be like, I understand. Cancel my card. If Citigroup were to call me up and say, you know, Rob, we're going to take your credit rate of 10% and make it 20%, I'd say, I understand. Because people who are defaulting on them are hurting them. And to offset that, they need to change the rules. Chad Burton, what say you on the credit card legislation and how the banks are responding to kind of send the F you to um, the president and Congress? As a shareholder, you want to, uh, you almost want to see that, right? (laughs) I mean, as a shareholder, you want them to do whatever they can to be able to charge cardholders as much as possible. Um, I think it is a big F you, if you want to call it that. Anything that we can do to get Congress to concentrate on not helping people that uh, have too much debt or credit cards they shouldn't have, but actually concentrating on creating jobs in this economy, which is what they should be doing. Well, the rumor uh, is second stimulus is coming, and it's going to be tied towards creating jobs. That if, it, if this second stimulus, Rob, is tied towards small business tax credits and things like that, I'm going to get excited. That's what we need to get us out of this, you know, 30, What does Chad 40%. Burton look excited look like? Um... Jumping up and down, waving my arms. Really? Yeah. This is what I look like. I go. That's a really ugly face for radio right 
Take a break, 800-345-5639. It's the CFP Chad Burton Show. I'm just going to be a part of it. It's the CFP Chad Burton Show on Talk 910 KNEW. Listen online, 910KNEW.com, 910KNEW.com. No annoying AM static if you go online, 800-345-5639. We've got a couple open phone lines if you want to pick up the phone and give me a call. Talk 910 KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. I thought I'd get to a couple quick emails in this segment. You got a message. Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh! What the hell is email? What's this? A letter for me. You've got mail, baby, yeah! First one comes to us from Bill. He says, I'd like to exercise some ESPP and stock options. What are my choices to defer paying income tax? Chad, what is an ESPP or stock option? Are they the same thing? Uh, no, they're two different programs usually. At a company on an ESPP, that's where the employer gives you usually twice a year a period of time where you can purchase the stock at a discount, right? Mm-hmm. So you can usually buy it at a 10% discount, 15% discount in some cases. And the rules are, there's a couple of different rules. There's an 18 and a 24-month rule. But usually if you hold those for two years, you can sell them and, and the gains will be all capital gains. If you sell them too early, the gains will be ordinary income. On stock option programs, that's where you either get you know, incentive stock options or non-qualified stock options. And as soon as you exercise them, they're taxable. There's nothing you can def- do to defer the taxes. So that's why you usually exercise and sell, and then reinvest the proceeds. Who should be converting stock options into income? Who should be converting stock options into retirement plans? And when should you hold on to them? Like, when does it become tax efficient to hold and pass? Or I I guess that's the question. Yeah. Well, what happens is you have to look at the diversification that you have in your company and say, okay, I get my 401k, my health insurance, my paycheck from it. How much do I want to have in the company? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in the Bay Area, if it's a company that you believe in, it might be the company that you did the startup with. And so you're going to be way overweighted in that that company's stock if you include the ESPP and the options. So as soon as you have over 10% of your overall net worth, um, you know, if you're, you know, 40, late 40s on up, you should look at a plan to start diversifying out of that company. So okay. ESPPs and stock options, they're really meant to supplement your income. They say, I can't pay you enough right now, so we'll give you these stock options and these ESPPs. So use them as income. And when you start having your return, if you exercise a stock option, when your net return after you pay taxes is over 10%, you should begin a steady plan of, of consistently exercising and selling those options and reinvesting them in something else. So you have to basically keep a yearly track of what the value of your options are. And as soon as you exercise them, pay the taxes. If your net return is 10% of above, it's time to take the gains and move on. That honestly is why I have you on the show. Because everything you just said there freaks me out. Yeah, it's <laughs> you have to you have to you know monitor prices and hold on to them and pay taxes or not pay taxes. That's where you earn your dollar. I pay you one dollar a year. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Heidi makes two. So um, another email comes in from Bill says, "Love your show. Our house is paid for, but we have a hundred thousand dollar home equity loan, variable interest. So interest is low right now. 
would we be better to take out a 30-year loan or reverse mortgage instead of the home equity line in which interest rates could go up? My husband's retiring and using up his uh, retirement IRA and I work, uh, but won't be 60 for a reverse mortgage for another year and a half. Thanks for your input. Interesting to know about that, Chad, because, um, wow, he's using up his IRA. That's the thing that instantly struck me in there. Mm-hmm. And then I hear 60 years old and has home equity line of credit. Home equity line of credit is a second mortgage. Yeah. It, it's, it sounds, it has a friendly term, home equity line of credit. Hey, it's, I can draw credit from my own home. Yeah. But it's a friggin' mortgage. That's a scary thing to me. Well, the email doesn't say whether or not they've taken the money out or if it's just sitting there, too. If it's an open I'm, line. I'm guessing it's an open line. It's a little, little vague. Yeah. So, well, if it's an open line of equity line of credit, then I would just leave it alone. Um, you don't pull the money out of the house unless you absolutely need it to survive, and you don't want to pull the money out and invest it in stocks or if bonds. If you're not even retired and you're drawing on your IRA, if you're not even 70 and you're drawing on your IRA, and as she said, um, using up, I, don't, I feel very uncomfortable with this email. Yeah, it's they, they need to definitely do some projections to see if they can even end up eventually staying in that house or if they're going to have to move out of state, maybe to Arkansas. Is that something that you would talk about tonight at uh, the the big toll house get together? That's something we've talked about for years now in the Bay Area is what to do if you're house rich and cash poor. And we still get emails from people that I used to say three or four years ago, um, you know, if you're 60 years old and your net worth is a million and a half, but it's all in your home, you better go home and put a for sale sign in your front yard. And some people did and they're happy. Um, Some people didn't. And now their housing prices fell off a cliff. And they still don't have enough money to retire. So, uh, yeah, you, you, house rich and cash poor is not a good place to be in when you're 65 years old. Okay, okay. Got another little posting here from D.C. It says, my mom has about $90,000 on a $300,000 loan. She's planning to use her equity with 2% from rental home to pay it off. Good idea, bad idea? If it's an old loan, let's say it's, you know, 30 years fixed and it started off at, you know, 300000 and now it's down to 90000 because it's been amortized – more than likely, most of that is principal payments now, and she might not be getting a tax deduction, so it could be worth paying it off, um, just so she can not have the payment at, at her age. Um, I would sit down and look at the tax return and see what she's getting as far as an itemized deduction out of that interest on the loan and make the decision from there. Sounds good. This is a call-in show. It's a financial show. Um, tonight, Chad and I are going to actually take it and be a road show. We're going to be at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. You can find out more information about it. Again, it's for wealthy people and retirees. Um, Los Gatos, California. Lovely, lovely city. And that hotel is pretty smokingly sweet. Yeah, it's nice. It's kind of hidden away, and then you walk in, and it's a nice You know what's kind of weird about me? I think I've finally gotten old, Chad. A, because I listen to AM radio. But B, (laughs) B, because I like hotels. Like, they intrigue me. Yeah. The Coronado in San Diego, the old wooden hotel. Like, I like odd hotels. I like the the Sofitel over... um, What's that? By San Carlos. Is that nice? Is it modern? It's just interesting. It's modern, I don't know, modern retro. I don't even know what you call it, but you walk in, it's kind of swank. Modern retro. I don't even know if that's a term. Damn dirty hippie. (laughs) (laughs) 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. I got mail. Yay! I got mail. Yay! It's impossible if Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.